Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630-CHAD. Everything we've done since training camp is we want to earn the right to be a playoff team. Richard Love save! Mike Smith, a game saver! And he got run over by Zach Cassian. He like one of those top teams, and we're working our way to that level. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Denied by Smith, who saves the game again. Josh Archibald wins the game! My message today is we're trying to win. One-timer score! This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Oscar Platt. This is Leon Dreisaitl. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 Shed. Everybody, Bob Stoffer joining you. 90-minute edition of Oilers Now. What a show we have for you today. It's our last show before the uh, Easter weekend. Uh, coming up uh, today from NHL Hockey on Rogers and Sportsnet. Regular uh, contributors every Thursday to Oilers Now, Louis DeBrusque. And for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Sportsnet's Brian Burke. And sandwiched in between those two guests will be Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid just after 1 o'clock. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Buy or lease your next office, uh, office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and supplies. Bob Stoffer working from the home office. Brendan Escott back at the 630 Ched Studios. Uh, you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, ready for your kids' pregame warm-up. We're on Twitter, at Oilers Now for the show. My account, Bob underscore Stoffer and Brendan at Brendan Escott. Brendan with two E's, Escott with two T's. We had a lot to get to. We're going to head straight off into our River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to be joined by Louis DeBrusque. Louis, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Bob? Uh, good. Uh, I mean, all things considered, obviously, uh, have learned you know way too much and followed way too much about a, a very challenging time uh, worldwide, and uh, and then uh, you know uh, another sort of dose of reality in the way that life can surprise you, and sometimes not always in the pleasant of uh, ways. And that's where we're going to get started here, Louis, because you have a personal connection to Colby Cave uh, from his time that. Um, you know, he played with Jake and Swift Current, and just shocking news that uh, Colby uh, uh, got uh, medevaced into uh, Toronto Sunnybrook Hospital from Barry a couple nights ago, had a cyst removed on his brain, and is currently in a coma, uh, an induced coma right now, trying to battle through it. And uh, I know it's, uh, I just like, you know, for, from your perspective, I know your, your heart goes out to the Cave family. You know Colby, um, and Jake played with him on a couple different, uh, three different teams actually, uh, Swift and in the farm and then with Boston. But uh, tell me a little about the player and a little about the guy. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with the Cave family right now and hopefully for Colby he can he can pull through this. And, you know, talking with my wife Cindy last night, you know, and talking about Colby Cave, you know, the one thing that always stood out for me with him is his, his drive. You know, he has a work ethic and the drive off the charts. 
he never quit, and I don't think he'll quit on this either. He's a real tough kid. He battles each and every single night. Um, just a great guy to have around your locker room and on your team. And as you mentioned, I got, I got to watch him very closely for five years and now with the Oilers organization, but playing with my son and, uh, you know, devastating news. And you, and you just you really hope that he can pull through this. And uh, obviously our thoughts are with their family right now, which must be just so trying for them. And this in, in already trying times to put this and heap this on right now. I mean, he's 25 years old, just devastating. And we're... We're the same as everybody else. We're waiting to see what happens here and just crossing our fingers and hoping that everything's going to be fine with Colby. But, you know, the one thing, you know, that stood out for me just when I got to see him firsthand in Swift Kern as a veteran player, my son came in there as a rookie, you know, he just was one of those guys that Mark Lamb as the head coach and general manager could put into any situation. You know, any situation he could handle it. He was the captain. He was the guy that they looked for to lead. And, uh, now he's got everybody pulling on on his side, uh, hopefully, to get through this. Well, and for our listeners, and we have brought this up uh, in the past and not in the last couple of days, the last player that Peter Shirelli signed as general manager for the Boston Bruins uh, before he was fired there was Colby Cave. And part of the reason why the Bruins uh, signed Colby Louis, as you know, is because they were scouting Jake. And uh, they ended up taking Jake that year in the 2015 draft, and Peter was relieved of his duties, uh, I think, in the second week of April. Jeez, it might have even been right around uh, about now, eh, maybe a week after. Uh, and then the Oilers hired him you know, a week later. But, uh, you know, that was part of the reason why uh, Keith Gretzky and... Uh, and Pete Shirelli stepped up. They'd done a lot of scouting on Jake. Jake went uh, in the first round of Boston. They had the three first-round picks. Jake's panned out to be the best. So it's 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 kind of interesting how these sort of situations uh, all come to fruition, isn't it? Yeah. And the thing for me, I've always had a soft spot for guys that weren't drafted and just continue to, to fight and, and play hard and try and extend their career. And that's exactly what Colby did. Again, just a testament to the type of individual that he is. He didn't didn't let that deter him he continued to play hard even into his veteran years as a leader in the whl he was he had a ton of drive there was always a drive there for him so and it worked out for him you know what he battled himself uh, to a contract with the boston bruins as you mentioned he plugged hard down there worked hard um to kind of learn the game at the pro level and started to get games and then was picked up by waivers by Edmonton. But I've always had a, a real soft spot for those types of players that are overlooked in drafts. They go back into the, the league. They continue to play hard. And, the, and they somehow are able to scrape and battle for that chance. And he's in a battle right now, the biggest battle of his life. And I said to Cindy, I said, you know, Colby's a tough kid. He's not going to stop fighting this battle for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well stated. Uh, this is a day, and we're going to have Connor come on at about 105 right now. And as you know, uh, you know, he's, he's arguably the biggest marquee player in the National Hockey League. Uh, the Oilers players have, uh, come together here to contribute $100,000 to the Oilers Entertainment Group to assist in COVID-19 support in the community. And I know that doesn't surprise you in the least, Louis. Nope. Not at all. I mean, you know what? The Oilers have always been, you know, so on board with community. Um, foundations with uh, business plans to try and make sure the community and the, the the surrounding areas of Edmonton, not just Edmonton, but the whole province of Alberta, any hockey fans for that matter, but they've always been instrumental in making sure the players are out there in the public doing charitable things. Um, it was like that when I played in Edmonton. It's like that today. Very aggressive approach to how they interact with the, the, the community, and I don't, I'm not surprised at all uh, at hearing that. 
Yeah, and I just want to maybe shed some more light on this. I mean, my understanding is the genesis of this, of this kind of stemmed from the days of Glenn Sather. Like, he wanted everybody involved in at least one charity and to get out there. Like, Glenn Anderson's been involved with that Cross Cancer Institute. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I think at least since 1987 or 88. I don't mean to take, a, I'll get a couple guys texting here momentarily to tell me what year it got started. But that is part of sort of being an oiler player in this market, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, when you go around, Bob, you and I bump into each other in the summertime when we do, uh, you know, charitable golf tournaments and different, uh, you know, auctions or whatever it is. You have your, your banquets that you and I have bumped into each other. We've been key speakers together. We've, we've done hot stoves together. Um, it's always the same people. A lot of times it's the same people. And not only just the, the ex oilers and Eskimos and different celebrities or different people, it's the same people that are buying the tables year in, year out. It's amazing how... Um, and I always, you know, take my hat off to those people because they're always the same people that are that are showing up, putting their money forward, and and just for great causes, and just trying to make this a better community to live in. And uh, that's what it's all about. And then you're right. Back in the day when when Glenn was there and I came on board in the early '90s, um, it wasn't a, you know, there were there was no. They weren't asking you to do it. They told you to do it. Um, now I, I'd say 99.999% of players in the league are always gracious to do it. And I think nowadays the younger generation of players just have a real good understanding of how important, how influential they can be on the community. A, a visit to a school, a visit to a hospital, whatever it is, you know, just that interaction with fans that they come out there and shake a hand, play a little ball hockey in a gymnasium, um, just, you know, an autograph in a, in a hospital bed goes so far in those people's lives. And uh, I, I think the players nowadays, especially the current owners, are really on board with that. You see them out in the boat all the time. Louis, one thing about successful people is they're driven, but they also like to have control. And it doesn't matter. We've got captains of industry that listen to the show. Um, guys that, uh, would, would trade jobs with you and me in a second, but make 10 times or 20 times or, you know, whatever the case or, you know, have way greater responsibility than us. Maybe they've got, you know, 50 to 100 to 200 employees. But, th- you know, those individuals, they're driven. And they want to control their own destiny. And the same can be extended as a metaphor to players. How challenging do you think this is for the current group and crop of players that they're, you know, they're completely powerless in this situation because of, unfortunately, the power of the COVID-19 pandemic? It sucks. I think they're really disappointed. Um, you know, you say drive, also say com- competitiveness. There's a, there's a compete factor in there, too, with the leaders of the world. They, they have that drive and that compete. Um, they want to win. They want to be the best they can be. They want to always look to the future. They don't want to settle for what's happening right now. And I, and I think that's for all leaders in every walk of life, but also um, particularly with athletes, with professional hockey players, you know, the guys that I was around when I came up through the ranks and the guys that I watched and the guys that I played against, you know, it, that was the one thing you learn very quickly when you get to pro hockey. We call it a business, but it's the business of winning and competing and wanting to win. That's truly what it is and trying to be the best you can possibly be. And take Connor McDavid, for example. You brought him up and, I mean, look what he does to try and improve his game each and every day. You know, that's, to me, the Sidney Crosby's of the world. When you watch the videos of them training in the summertime and they're the best players in the world, but they're not content. They want to be better. And for me, that's always been, you know, something that I've admired so much and especially the best of the best because they have a, 
there's an accountability there and there's a pressure but they hold themselves to a standard that even we don't hold them to which which i think is hard for people to understand there's a lot of expectations from us on the top players in the league but they put even a higher expectation on themselves and they're always trying to achieve the absolute best they can be even if it's a small percentage or a not a percentage of a percentage it's it, you know it's it's incredible those little details that you can work on but that's how their brain thinks and that's what makes them the best in the world we're joined by Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now Louis uh you know, we know that there's been conversations over the last 72 hours between the NHL, PA, and the NHL. Um, we're not sure if we're going to get started again this year, or maybe if we're not going to see hockey until theoretically November. I mean, uh, California's been very, uh, they've been on top of the whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and uh, there, there's politicians in California that are saying, you know, there's not going to be any sports until after U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, how concerned do you think, the? I, I, we all know the players want to play, but when you have a couple states like New York and New Jersey that have got roughly 200,000 COVID-19 pandemic cases, uh, how much concern do you think would be out there from this existing uh, generation or group of players, given the severity of what we're dealing with right now? I think there's a ton of concern, Bob. I really do. And I think there's a concern from everybody, not just the players, but I think from everybody trying to get back into the normal ways of life. Uh, that's on everybody's mind right now is how is that going to work? It's not just the NHL here. It's how are we going to get back to doing what we normally do in everybody's lives, how we've been doing it for our whole lives. And now it's going to change a little bit, especially in the short term and maybe for a longer term than we know. It's just that unknown and uncertainty, I think, that just has everybody reeling right now and everybody just questioning and, and not understanding what's going to happen. And I don't think anybody really knows. Unfortunately, we are in a position right now where we have to wait and see. We have to try and do the best that we can do um, as, a, as a world right now to try and neutralize this as much as possible, let it take its course, and then after that, when the dust settles, we'll, we'll see exactly how we go forward with it. From the NHL perspective, and I've heard this a couple of times from players already, okay, it's one thing to go in and play without fans. If that is, is something that they're considering, and I know that's been considered for a long time. Neutral site, okay, you try and control how many people are coming in and about. No home ice advantage. You put the east one place, the west place one place. You have like an Olympic village, and you play games over the same building. Okay, I understand all of that. But all it takes is one. All it takes is one positive test to send that whole thing reeling again and how long do you go before that before you feel 100 percent or a, certainly a, that's what i would think it would have to be is 100 percent that's not going to happen or is there something in place if that does happen that we didn't have six months ago a vaccine you know i know they're working every single day i know the scientists are you know right now trying to find solutions to this i understand that but these are all the unknowns that I was talking about before, but I think there's a certain concern that there's no question. I, I, I know that certainly the younger generations, I don't think maybe have as much of a, um, a fear of this as, say, the older generations, I would say. You know, there's certainly some of that, but I think that's catching on. I think the younger generations are starting to buy in and understand that this is not just about them. It's about the entire globe. It's about your friends, your family, your parents, your grandparents. It's about everybody. It's not just about us. It's about everybody else as well. And I think that's taken some time, but I think it's really finally starting to settle in a little bit that people understand that even if you are not in that high-risk position, that 
you still have to be smart for those people. And um, it's, it's just just a real trying time. I'll tell you, I think everybody's really right now trying to figure out what's going to happen. Nobody really knows what's going to happen, but there certainly is concern there. You That was the question you asked. And just like any walk of life, I can tell you firsthand there's concern from NHL players. All right. Uh, business does go on. We're not sure if we're going to play again this season. You know, if we're going to have a completion, of, you know, partial completion of the regular season, uh, playoffs, whatever the case. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers received some news earlier today. Uh, Igor Aronko out of Russia reporting that Anton Slepyshev had signed a two-year contract extension with Seska, that's CSKA in Moscow. It's top flight team in the KHL. Uh, Ken Holland, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm told by a very good source offered um, Dan Milstein both a one and two year uh, contract offers at a very competitive price point uh, but ultimately Slepyshev elected to return to Russia there's going to be, I mean the Oilers have got a lot of guys under contract uh, next year, I mean you t- just on the wings Louis, Cassian, Yamamoto Archibald and Chason on the right side uh, Neil RNH Nygaard, Kara as left wings, Athanasius, a restricted free agent. So they're going to be fine on the wing. Just a quick thought. Um, are you supplied, surprised that Slepyshev elected to stay in KHL uh, and maybe didn't try to uh, take another shot at the National Hockey League at this time? I'm not that surprised, to be honest. Uh, I think he's a little bit older. He's had his, his stint over here. And, you know, there were games where you watched Slepyshev play and it was – you know, he was a big guy. That was the one thing you, you underestimated was his size, his speed. He seemed to be one of those guys, Bob, that just always got grade A chances but just couldn't finish it off. Uh, I don't know if that's how you saw his game, but that's how I saw his game. He seemed to be in the right spot at the right time and create a lot, but just couldn't find that finish to get on a real groove. Obviously, he's found it over there in the KHL. He's comfortable. It's a position that he's very comfortable in, so... I have, you know, I'm not surprised at all. Listen, they tried to, to sway him to come over and give it another chance. I think it's a different time now, and maybe he would have had more success this time uh, in the NHL, but he's in a comfortable spot, and sometimes that's uh, for players, especially when you start to get up there in age a little bit, that's a real, real deciding factor is that comfort level of where you are, and, and you want to uh, stay with an organization. That's what you decide to do. All right, Louis. We're going to have a little fun with the final question today. Uh, thank you for joining us in Oilers Now once again. Jim McKenzie, um, what, would you agree or disagree with this statement? One of the most underrated heavyweights throughout the 1990s. I don't, I mean, well, I disagree with the statement because, and the only reason I disagree with it is because he wasn't underrated. I mean, he was very well known, especially from the other tough guys, including myself in the league. He, he was a big guy that could throw both hands, mega strong. And, uh, yeah, no, he was a formidable opponent. And, you know, Big Jim was, uh, you know, the real deal. And it's the reason why he played as long as he did, because he was very coveted. Teams wanted to have him. He could play. He was a very disciplined player, too. If you watch the way he played, he didn't take a lot of bad penalties. He just went out there and did his job. Um teammates that played with him said he was a great guy and he could fight anybody and he fought everybody and if you look back at some of the fight tapes of Jim McKenzie you'll see why um, he was one of those guys we used to we always joke and say you know I never really sweat that guy you know I didn't really kind of give that guy much thought trust me Jim McKenzie was the kind of guy that you might wake up from your afternoon nap with a little bit of the wet sheets from sweat and thinking about the game that night he was that tough 
Well, uh, the legendary story, for the listeners that don't know, Mackenzie played for Moose John, the WHL, came up in the Hartford organization, played roughly 14 years in the league or so, over 800 games. Um, his first NHL fight was against Dave Brown, and he didn't realize that Brown had been traded. This is before websites like HockeyFights.com. He didn't realize that the Brown that he bumped into before the game, and it was the night after, it was his second NHL game, the night after Hartford got bombed in Calgary, he was concerned he was going to get sent back down and needed to do something. He didn't realize it was that Brown, that day Brown, when he fought <laughs> Dave Brown. Well, well, you it's, know what? If you watch him, and, and him and Tony Twist had some great bouts, and, you know, he fought, he had some real good uh, battles with some different heavyweights through. But the thing that made Jim so dangerous is that what I said earlier, whatever hands you were throwing, he just opened up with that hand. You know, he was strong enough to hold you off until he felt comfortable getting that, that hand loose. If you're a righty, he'd come off left. If you were a lefty, he would just come off right. So, I mean, whatever hand you were throwing, get ready to get punched back because that's what's going to happen. Louis, great stuff. Appreciate your time. Stay safe, uh, and we'll talk next week, okay? Sounds good, man. Take care. It's 12.54 in Edmonton. Uh, we want to tell you that during the season, the injury report is brought to you by James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Jim Brown, Trent Brown want you to stay safe. And uh, we'll head off to a quick timeout, come back with about a one-minute version of NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing. This is Oilers Now. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 12.57 in Edmonton. Connor McDavid coming up today. Oilers captain at 105. We're going to go into NHL today for Elite Promotional Marketing. Building tailored branded programs where your order is done on time every time. Elite Promotional Marketing. Here's Brendan Escott. Well, I'll quickly uh, re-update some of the older uh, things that we talked about. Colby Cave remaining in a medically induced coma that allows his brain to recover from the bleed and the emergency surgery to remove the colloid cyst that had caused it originally. The family asking for your continued support. Anton Slepeshev did turn down Ken Holland's contract offer and re-signed in the KHL with Seska in Moscow. Two more seasons there. The Oilers third rounder in uh, 2013 had 45 points in 54 games last year. Played in Edmonton in the 2017-18 season last. Finally, Steve... Simmons reporting on Twitter that former Blackhawks defenseman Pat Stapleton passed away at 79 years old. The Sarnia, Ontario native, was a member of Team Canada in the 72 and 74 Summit Series, Bob. And his son, uh, Mike Stapleton, was uh, briefly with the Edmonton Oilers as well. It is 12.58 in Edmonton. Uh, again, Connor McDavid coming up at 105 today. Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack at 135. But right now, off to a global news weather traffic update. More ongoing COVID-19 pandemic coverage with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.